All right. Hello. What is up, Oasis? There we go. I thought I was going to have to redo that there for a sec. All right. I'm super pumped to be here. My name is Audrey Schaefer. I am the student ministry worship resident pastor here at Grace Point. And yes, that's a mouthful, so please just call me Audrey. That's all right. Um, so you guys have probably seen my face a couple of times on this stage, on the worship center stage. I get to sing for you guys a lot. It's something that I love to do, and it brings me a lot of joy. But other than that, you guys might not know me that well. So a little bit about me. Said my name, said my job already. Uh, so I am married to my amazing husband who started the hoots and hollering for us earlier. I think there's some pictures on screen now. Uh, we've been married for a little over a year, and together we have a beautiful dog named Dixie. And she is a Shih Tzu Bashan mix. She is the light of our lives. And if you were here last month, you might remember Brennan talking about when dog parents take it too far. Me and Devin are those dog parents. Um, we were in Hy-Vee grocery shopping just yesterday. We needed three things. And Devin said, Dixie needs this new dog toy. So she came home with a new dog toy and we fought over who got to give her the toy. Uh, so I love dogs. Um, but another thing I love to do is sing. Uh, I've been singing since I was a wee little girl. I think there's maybe another picture up there um, of me singing. If not, that's all right. But there's uh, this one instance I've been singing since I was four or five. Um, yeah, that picture's up. No, okay, that's fine. Um, there's a picture somewhere of me and my sister singing when we were four and five years old. We were singing with um, our mom and we were on stage at some local festival and it was just the time of our lives. So I have loved singing. I have loved singing on stage and all that stuff since I was a little girl. Uh, and chances are a handful of you have probably seen me sing at least once. I would like to think that it's something that I'm at least a little bit good at. But in the spirit of you guys getting to know me, I'm also going to share with you guys something that I'm not so good at. Uh, so here's a, here's a video of me before and then after I went on a run. I really have so much caffeine in my system right now. I'm about to, I'm about to sprint. You know what I mean? I'm going to go on this run and it's going to be really impressive, I think. I think I'm really going to show my athleticism. Five minutes later. That was easily the worst idea I've ever had. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that that's, that's pretty embarrassing. Uh, it's very humbling to me to look back. Sometimes I like to take videos of myself when I run or work out and show my husband because I think I'm really funny when I'm almost completely decapitated. Um, but... <laughs> The best thing is looking at them and seeing, oh, I'm maybe breathing a little bit harder than I should be. Maybe I should get some help on running because running is definitely one of my weaknesses. Luckily, I have an amazing friend who is a complete track star. She is just, she is a runner. She's a track star. Uh, she is, she's great at it. And if I really wanted to get better at running, which side tangent, no one, sorry, Leah, no one wants to get better at running. No one likes running. You can say you like it, you can say you get a runner's high, but that's a lie. But if I, for some reason, wanted to get better at running, I could ask my friend and she would give me pointers. She'd probably go on runs with me because she's an awesome person and she would help me become a better runner. And I would have to trust that she wants what's best for me and actually wants me to become a better runner. But in the same way, even though I already am hopefully good at singing, 
if I wanted to get better at that, I could get lessons from Jaina, who has more experience and has had more technical training than I have had. So that would also be a way for me to improve on something that I'm already good at. But even in that, I would still have to trust that Jaina wants what's best for me and have faith that what she is teaching me is right. This is also how we need to be with God in our strengths that he has given us. You see, God has given each of us strengths. For me, one of mine is singing. But I want you guys to think of what some of your guys' strengths are. Some things that you're good at. You'd be comfortable doing them in front of a bunch of people. You know and you're confident in your ability to do this. And because we have strengths, we in turn all have weaknesses. As I made all of you witness, one of mine is running. But what are some of your guys' weaknesses? Think about the things that you maybe wouldn't want other people to see you do. Things that make you uncomfortable doing them in front of people or honestly uncomfortable doing them in general. God has given each of us unique strengths and weaknesses that we can use to live in purposeful worship to God. We need to know the strengths that God has given us and in turn the weaknesses that we have so that we can serve God in the unique way he's called us to serve him. You see, we, we tend to gravitate towards doing things that we're good at because we're comfortable in them and we know that we're good at them. But that's kind of the only reason why we do them. We don't typically tend to have a deeper rooted reason for why we do the things that we're good at. And in the same way, when we're bad at something, we kind of avoid it like the plague. We don't, we don't want to do that. We want to avoid it. We want to push it away, hide that. But again, there's not really a reason why we want to do that. But we were created for so much more than to be held back by ourselves. If you guys take anything away from tonight, I want you guys to realize that we were created with a purpose. God has a purpose for each of us in our strengths and in our weaknesses. So I want to challenge us to start acting on these strengths and weaknesses on purpose for God's purpose. But first, how do we find those strengths and weaknesses, and how can we use them for God? So to figure that out, we're going to open up to Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. And while you guys flip there, I would like to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, for this opportunity, for this word that you've put on my heart. Lord, I ask that you strengthen me in these times, that you remove my timidity, give me this ability to give this word that you have blessed me with, Lord. I pray for open ears, and I pray in gratitude for the amazing words on this page in front of us, Lord. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So Paul, he wrote 13 books of the Bible, one of them being Romans. And in each one, he addresses himself at the start. And each time he addresses himself, it's a unique and special way based on the book. So, for example, in Philemon, Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus and then goes on to talk about the need for grace. In First and Second Timothy, he addresses himself as an apostle or teacher of Christ Jesus and writes about preserving the truth of God's word through teaching. Paul uses these different addresses to give us insight on who he is and why he is telling us what he's going to tell us. So in Romans, at the very start, he addresses himself as Paul, a servant of Christ. And now in Romans 12, he calls us to be servants of Christ as well. So we're going to go ahead and read Romans 12, 1. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul says that our true and proper worship is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. The original audience would have heard this, heard the word sacrifice, and mentally they would have gone straight to Old Testament sacrifice where they would literally slaughter animals to God for forgiveness of their sins. I don't know about you, but that would freak me out if I was hearing that. And so you see, they, they go, he uses this word because slaughter is a big deal to them. This, this having them sacrifice themselves, that means a lot to them. That's a big, heavy word that would instill a lot of emotions for these people. However, in the time that they're in and in the time that we're in, we have the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate sacrifice. So our sins are already paid. Now we get to choose to live for God. So no, Paul is not telling us that the only way we can worship God is to die. Instead, Paul is using the term sacrifice here figuratively to represent a lifestyle of worship, of living our whole life to bring God glory for all he's done for us. And then Paul actually tells us how to live this lifestyle of worship in verse two. Verse two, Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. The world will try to tell you to use your strengths for personal gain alone for selfish reasons. Maybe it's a financial promotion. Maybe it's, you know, getting, getting more money or getting a higher rank at whatever you're doing, or maybe it's excelling at schoolwork only so that you can prove that one math teacher wrong. In the same way, the world also will tell you to shove your weaknesses down. No one needs to see that side of you. No one cares about the things that you're not good at. That side of you is weak. You need to play to your strengths. If you're bad at something, just quit instead of learn how to do it. Maybe it's that art class that you dropped the second week in because you were so bad at drawing, you didn't want anyone to know that you were so bad at it. Maybe it's the relationship that you ended because it exposed your lack of communication skills and you didn't want to fix it, but instead wanted to run away from it. The world will tell you that your strengths are the only good thing about you and that everything else needs to be hidden. But God makes your strengths stronger and uses your weaknesses for his glory. Paul goes on in verse two to say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is probably my favorite section in this whole, this whole uh, Romans right now, because Romans was originally written in Greek and the word transformed here is actually translated from the Greek word metamorphosis, which directly translates to metamorphosis, which means to completely change from the inside out. So you guys probably have already heard of the word metamorphosis when you were in elementary and you all watched, you know, caterpillars turn into butterflies in those weird plastic cages that were maybe a little bit not humane. Uh, but, but think about that for a second. I mean, it starts as a caterpillar, this weird little wormy, sometimes like hairy and green thing that kind of slithers or crawls. I don't really know how they move. It's really weird. And they eat like grass or leaves. And then it goes into this cocoon for however long and it comes out this awesome, beautiful butterfly. It looks completely different. It flies now and it eats different food now. This caterpillar completely changed from the inside out. I mean, its organs are in different spots. It looks different. It moves differently. Its diet is different. This thing completely transformed. And Paul doesn't use that word lightly in here either. You see, 
Paul isn't referring to just a change in our actions or just a change in how we think. No, this transformation is a change in our minds, which causes a change in our actions, which causes a change in our hearts. This transformation allows us to see and desire God's purpose for us. If we keep reading in verse two, Paul finishes it like this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says that through this transformation, this complete change from inside out, that we will test and approve God's will. Basically, see for ourselves the goodness of God. Paul challenges us here. He says, just try it. Try living for God instead of living for the world. And you'll see for yourself that God's will is superior to that of the world. Paul is literally daring us to be transformed by God and be obedient to God, which leads to true joy and fulfillment. And there are examples of this obedience and transformation all over scripture to live a life of obedient worship. We need to give God our strengths like Simon Peter does. Simon Peter was one of the first disciples called by God. He was a fisherman by trade, but most importantly, his introduction to scripture is the epitome of obedience to God. So we're going to be in Luke chapter five, verse four, where our homie Jesus, he was trying to talk to this crowd, but there was a bunch of people there. Like it was, he was getting smushed up against the shoreline. So he ended up jumping in this guy's boat, better acoustics, more room, all that stuff. Uh, the owner of this boat just happened to be Simon Peter. So let's read in verse four. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. See, Simon Peter's obedience here is unmatched. And, and let me tell you why. Simon Peter was the fisherman. Like he lived and breathed fishing. He knew all of the facts about fishing. He knew how to, he was one of the best. If Simon Peter was alive today, his Insta profile pic would be him holding a fish up like that stereotypical pose that no one really likes, but that would be Simon Peter. And he knew that the fish right now were not in shallow water. They were hiding from the nets because it was daytime. If they wanted to catch fish, they should go at night when all of the fish were in the shallow water, ready, ready to get caught, I guess. And they're, they've been out all night. They've been out all night. They've been out all morning and they've caught nothing. And this rabbi guy is trying to tell Simon Peter how to fish, like the audacity that this rabbi has to come up and try to tell Simon Peter how to do his job. This is his thing. I mean, surely Simon Peter would have listened to Jesus talk about like spiritual stuff and he would have taken that in his fact, but fishing, no way. This rabbi is way out of his lane to try to tell Simon Peter how to fish. They hadn't caught anything all night when the fish were actually in shallow water. And during the day, the fish would have been hiding in deep water. So what Jesus was asking Simon Peter to do here would make no sense to the fishermen. But when Simon Peter was told by Jesus to drop the nets, Simon Peter did so in obedience and he received a great reward for it. 
I mean, this amount of fish is unbelievable. Can you imagine how many fish you would have to catch to literally start to break the nets that they used to fill up two whole boats? Like they had to call in reinforcements. There was so many fish and they shouldn't have caught fish. But Jesus took Simon Peter's strength of fishing and used it to show just how powerful God is. Let's keep reading at verse eight. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. See, Jesus was working in the power of God. And because of the power that Simon Peter witnessed, he recognized himself as a sinner. He even went so far as to tell Jesus to get away from him because Simon Peter didn't think he was worthy to receive the help of someone so powerful. But Jesus wasn't concerned about Simon Peter's past. Jesus wasn't worried about the sinfulness of Peter. No, (laughs) Jesus took Simon Peter's strength and he multiplied it, catching more fish than they could have ever imagined. Simon or Jesus said, don't, don't worry about your past. Simon Peter, you're going to come with me and fish for people. Now, Jesus took Simon Peter's skill and knowledge of fishing and used it to serve the kingdom of God. Once Simon Peter was obedient to God and gave his strength to Jesus. See, we, we have to give God our strengths before he can use us for his purpose. God takes our skills and in our obedience uses them for the glory of God. All right. How, how are we all doing? We got, we got that down. Cause now we're going to look at the other side of the coin and we're going to do a quick 180, and we're going to look at our weaknesses and it's not ever really fun to look at weaknesses, but the beautiful thing is that the God that we serve, the God that created all of us, he didn't just create us with our strengths to be useful, but he created us with our weaknesses to be useful too. And I, I just think that that's so beautiful. And, and he does use our weaknesses. And, and to learn about how God can and will use our weaknesses, we're going to look at our guy Moses. He'll show us how he was enabled by God in his weakness. So we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 3, where Moses saw a bush on fire, but the bush wasn't burning up. And then the bush was talking to him. And he was really, really confused because he was just like watching over some sheep and all of a sudden a bush started talking to him. So let's see what God said to Moses from this bush, starting in verse seven. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them cry out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. See, God's children are under slavery in Egypt. And God has asked Moses to talk to Pharaoh about freeing the people. So now Moses is supposed to go to Pharaoh and convince him to let all these Israelites go. 
And that just doesn't feel right to me because if we, we know a couple of things about Moses. Moses is super strong. He's so smart agriculturally. He's a great shepherd. He's known to be super loyal. He has a lot of really great strengths. But none of those strengths include the ability to speak. In fact, Moses actually says a little bit later in Exodus that he is, and I quote, not eloquent in speech and slow of speech and tongue. The man probably had a stutter or a lisp or a stammer or some other kind of speech impediment. And God was asking him to bring a speech of freedom to the Pharaoh of Egypt. (laughs) Can you, can you imagine the fear that would just rush through your body? If all of a sudden you were supposed to go and talk to the president of the United States and tell him how to rule the country, but you had a really bad stutter. Like that makes me nervous. Just, just thinking about it, that it's so similar to what Moses is having to do going to talk to Pharaoh but using his weakness. Moses couldn't talk very well. And for this reason, he didn't think that he could do what God was asking of him. But still, even though God knew of Moses's poor speech, God told Moses what to do, what to say, and promised that he would be there with him. God promises to make Moses strong in his weakness. And God does this through his amazing grace. Grace is typically defined as divine empowerment. It is when we are given power from God to do things that would normally seem too difficult for us to do alone. Moses was graced by God with the ability to speak so that Moses, in speaking with Pharaoh, could free the Israelites, giving them grace from God as well. We, we see this grace in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, too, when the Lord says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God gave Moses the power needed to talk to Pharaoh through God's grace, because even when we are weak, God's grace is strong. And that makes us strong for the glory of God and the goodness of others. The God that gave Moses the ability and the confidence to speak is the same God that graces us still today. That means that today God empowers us in our strengths and our weaknesses because his will is good and pleasing and perfect. Whether you guys see it now or not, you were given a gifting from the God who created you that is intended to be used for the benefit of ourselves, the kingdom of God and those around us. But for some of you, you might still be wondering how you're supposed to take what you're good at and give it to God. You might be thinking, how is God going to take my drawing skills and use it for his kingdom? How is me excelling at schoolwork going to benefit God's work? But there is purposeful worship found in every strength. With your artistic ability, you can design artwork for the church to use to proclaim the word of God in a unique way. Your school smarts could put you in a position to do one-on-one tutoring and have opportunities to share the gospel with people that maybe no one else is reaching. Every unique gift is wonderful and purposeful in worship to God. And if you don't believe me, you can believe Paul, because I want to remind you of what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. 
In this verse, Paul affirms diversity within the church because there is diversity within the world and we are called to reach the whole world. I mean, I I can sing, but I can't play sports. So while I might be able to share the word of God on stage with you guys and sing with you guys, I will never be able to share the word of God in a locker room. I can play piano and plan songs for us to praise to, but I don't have the technological or creative gifting to make the graphics that you guys see during those songs. But all of those gifts are needed. No one gift is more important than the other. You wouldn't be mad at your brain for not being a stomach because you need both a brain and a stomach to live. So why would you compare your giftings to someone else's giftings when both of those giftings are needed? I don't care how small you think your gift is or how big you think your gift is. It is needed and it is useful and it is purposeful and God has given it to you for a purpose. Whatever you are gifted in, God has a purpose for it. So use your gifts on purpose because of all that God has done for us. Let's use our strengths and even our weaknesses as true and proper worship to God, sharing the good news of lives transformed through him by the giftings given to us by him. Being faithfully obedient to God in our strengths is true and proper worship. In faithful obedience to God, I get to lead you guys in musical worship to God. I didn't always do that though. For years, I was really selfish with my gift. I used it to make me look good, to try to win uh, different awards, to try to get attention, to make myself stand out for my own personal benefit. Uh, And this this made me really selfish. And it, it was never enough. I always wanted to get better so I could get more recognition. And when that didn't happen, I just stopped singing. I stopped doing the thing that I really loved to do because I had no reason to sing if I wasn't going to get noticed because of it. And then God pulled me out of this pity party that I had made for myself. And he showed me that he has so much more in store for me. His plans went far beyond just getting me out of this sinful life that I was living in. His plans went far beyond just getting me to see that there was a bigger picture than just myself. No, he, he wanted me to fall in love with singing again. And he wanted me to do it for him this time. God gave me a reason to sing again. Now I don't sing to impress people. I don't sing to sound the best. Now I sing for the cross that Jesus bore and for the sacrifices that he made. I sing for the power of God and the creation that I get to witness every day. I sing because that is how I worship the Lord. Just like Simon Peter was able to worship the Lord through his fishing skills. Every week that I sing is proof that the same God who multiplied Simon Peter's strengths still multiplies our strengths today. Being empowered by God in our weakness is true and proper worship. I'm going to be frank with you guys. This whole sermon has been prepared and given and presented by the grace of God. Because for me, a really big weakness of mine is public speaking. I can stand on this stage and sing to you guys and feel fine. But the second I have to start talking, I freak out a bit. In fact, when, when Brennan told me that he wanted me to preach on this Sunday, I was pretty much paralyzed with fear. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know how I was supposed to go about planning a sermon or how I was supposed to go about giving one. But that's actually how I ended up choosing this topic to talk about. As I was thinking about it, I ran through a bunch of different topics that I selfishly wanted to go over. And I, I had to kind of humble myself. I had to hand that over faithfully to God because I was scared and I didn't know what to do. And in me handing that over to God, 
he gave me this word to teach to you guys and to honestly teach to myself (laughs) all of the negative thoughts that ran through my head when I learned that I had to give a sermon seemed to vanish at the thought of giving one about weaknesses and strengths. And that was how I knew that God had graced me. I mean, now, now that I've done this, I'm so beyond grateful for the ways that God has grown me through this experience. I feel more bold, more brave, strong, even in doing the thing that I felt super weak doing. God showed me that what I can't do by myself, I could do through him if I did it faithfully. This is just proof that the same God who graced Moses with the ability to speak to Pharaoh still graces our weaknesses today. I want to challenge you guys with the dare that Paul gives us in Romans 12 verse two, live for the will of God rather than the will of the world. See which one brings you more true joy, more true fulfillment. There's only one that will make you even stronger in your strengths and give you the ability to do amazing things in your weaknesses. And that one is God, our father. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. The same God who graces Moses with the ability to speak and who multiplied Simon Peter's fishing catch is our God who wants to do the same for us. All we have to do is offer ourselves to God in obedience, having faith that he will make us into something better than we could ever imagine. As we get ready to worship and as you guys get ready to leave, I've got two questions that I want you guys to think about. What is your strength that you need to hand over obediently to God? What is your weakness that needs God's divine empowerment? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. I praise you for the strength that you've given me to present this, Lord, for the word that you've given me. I thank you for everyone here, for them taking their time out to come And learn more about you, God, and be in community with the body of believers, Lord. I just praise you for that. I praise you for tonight and for a ministry like Oasis, God. And I pray, I just, I ask of you, God, over these people, that as they go into school or work or new transitions, whatever it looks like, God, that you remind them that they have a purpose, that their purpose is not any less important than the person next to them, that their purpose is unique and wonderful and created and cultivated by you, God that even in the strengths and even in the weaknesses, you are there to make us better and you are there to love us and give us a purpose that you created us beautifully and uniquely, God. Thank you for tonight. I thank you for these people. We love you and we praise you. We pray this by your blood and in your name, Jesus Christ. All God's children said, amen.